filibuster receives sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, Discrimination, Wage, and Litigation Solutions for Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They want you to know that your rights matter, you deserve to be free from harassment, and you deserve to work. They cover workplace discrimination and wage theft, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, takings and disability, and a lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. We were on spring break last week in the Chicago suburbs. We fly into O'Hare, go to the car rental place. They say, here, you, you, you rented a midsize. Here are two options. You have this Hyundai, you have this Toyota. And I asked the kids, do you want the gray car or the white car? And they said, we want the white car. And they called it the paperberry the entire time we were there. Um, so we get in this car and I notice it has Ontario plates. I say, hey, that's fun. We can pretend to be Canadian. And then I start driving the thing. I'm like, I don't know kilometers. And this thing is clearly in kilometers because I am not doing 100 miles an hour right now. <laughs> And so the entire time I had to look at the wrong part of the speedometer because miles were there. They were just in the smaller, yeah. harder to read numbers. Yeah, they just, uh, they just flipped them. Yeah, they just flipped them. Yeah. It was fine. It worked out fine. I didn't get any tickets for speeding or for going too slow because Chicago has minimum speeds on mm -hmm. their, their freeways. Um, but it was just this uh, moment of panic as I'm like, do I have to do math? Do I have to multiply every number here by 0.6 or so? 0.62. Yeah, 0.62. Thank you, Ben. <laughs> Just uh, every or, single or, time you change speed at all, uh, asking your wife to recalculate your speed. <laughs> Get the phone out. I need the calculator out. Actually, now. makes it sound that makes it sound a little bit like you're involved in like a Star Trek episode. Like recalculate a new route and new speed. Uh, <laughs> yes. Asking asking uh, data for some coordinates. We may as well have been doing mock or, or doing warp two. I don't. I don't know how fast warp two is, and I don't know how fast uh, 110 kilometers per hour is. So it all works out. the The really crazy part was three days into our trip when I okay. looked at the thermostat and it says 18, and I just had no idea what to do with that number. <laughs> I have no idea what that noise was, but right. I think it's telling us to get on it was, with it. Hey, hey, it was people in. outside of my house. Oh. Hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United, and minor inconveniences in travel podcast. I'm Adam Taylor, joined by Ben Bromley, Jason Anderson, and whatever giant insect flew by Ben's window just a second ago. Uh, we're all from blackandredunited.com, where we talk about DC United, among other things. But right now, there's really only one thing to talk about, and that is the firing of Hernan Losada as DC United's head coach. Uh, we'll get into that. We might get into a couple games that DC United played recently uh, since the last time we recorded, but I make no promises. I will say that DC United does have another game coming up. Uh, they will play Supporter Shield holding New England Revolution at Audi Field on Saturday, 7.30 p.m. If you can't make it over to Buzzard Point, watch it on NBC Sports Washington or Teleexitos or on DCUnited.com or ESPN Plus, depending on where you are geographically and internetally. 
is there is there an adverbial form of internet internet wise know. internet it's wise really, well, that, yeah that's a good one that works yeah uh Online. if if you are yeah, by a radio better, you can also <laughs> listen to it on 104.7 wonk fm or the iHeartRadio app before we do anything though jason what are you drinking uh so adam you mentioned that this is a podcast for minor uh inconveniences of travel uh i was at the united performance center for reasons have nothing to do with this show um and on my way home i had intended to stop for beer and was completely brain wiped by a typical rush hour traffic commute from there from leesburg to my home uh because that means you get all of it uh and i only remembered as i was like about a mile from home i had passed all of the other stores that have beers um and I remembered at the last moment and went to the least good of my options in all of Edgewater to get whatever beers they had. And the beer I have is Sam Adams. So there's a boss offering the cap to the next opponent, I guess, or something. I've done uh, that before. I, I mean, I, I bought that and I bought a six pack of Sapporo. Um, so either or. Uh, I don't know how that's either or with the Revs, but. You know, we have we have other they, things on our plate. Is it possible they're signing King Kazu? I doubt it. They can't afford him. <laughs> Too many designated players already. Uh, coming back from Chicago, I have Lagunitas, little something, pale ale. Uh, it, it's a good good little beer. I didn't bring it back from Chicago. It's distributed everywhere. Yes. Uh, yeah. I, I got it here, but I got it in part because of the Chicago connection. Uh, ben, what are you drinking? I have my um, last Hardywood bourbon barrel gingerbread stout that I bought this past Christmas time. There was one left in the back of the fridge, so I decided to crack that open today. That's good. Weather's going to get warmer. You got to drink yes, it well. It, it was like the last cold morning. It was like it was like twenty nine this morning. Yeah. So I figured good enough. It, it counts. Um, to the news of the day, which was in a word shocking, uh, we found out Wednesday morning and it's Wednesday night as we record this, that DC United have parted ways with head coach Hernan Losada, just six MLS games into his second season. Uh, lots of surprise and no small amount of anger, uh, in online and in the fan base, um, at the organization for the firing, which really seemed to come out of the clear blue sky. Um, I, I certainly wasn't expecting this. I know Julian Gressel on Z soccer pod uh, said that he had heard some rumors last night, but did not expect this. I don't think any uh, Losada's first comment to Steve Goff was, was he still processing and is in shock? Um, I, I don't know that anyone actually saw this coming which it, we can't say that about Ben Olsen's firing. We Everyone saw that coming. Uh, this one, though, Jason, just bolt from the blue. Yeah, a little bit. Um, I, I tweeted this out that um, coming in, we, we talked about how we had to deal with this show because we already had a lot on our plate before this, and we talked about it. And I was going to make the point um, that if – the flower city game had even gone like if it had gone to extra time, for example, um, that uh, struggling against a third division opponent after you've lost four in a row 
in most places in the world, even even in your more measured uh, countries, is a way to get fired. MLS is usually not like that. Um, there are a couple places where that might happen, but most, you know, 20 out of 28 MLS teams, I would, you know, off the top of my head would say, you're not going to get fired over that. Um, I was going to make that point after, you know, kind of to kind of emphasize the importance of the Open Cup game. Um, so it had crossed my mind that losing four in a row w- was trouble, um, regardless of how those results came about. Um, but yeah, I did not anticipate this. I didn't, I didn't really think, um, especially when you see the progress that they had made during the last week off uh, coming into the Austin game, the performance in the first 75 minutes. Um, I was like, okay, the team is back on a good course for the most part. They kind of had, you know, a once a once every three years kind of collapse, um, which is, you know, definitely not good. It, you have to add that into the mix, but it seemed like they were sort of getting it back together. Um, but I feel like it's obvious that this is not just a record-based um, this is not a wins and losses based move. Um, this is probably a personality clash um, based on, you know, Steve Goff and Pablo Maurer have both reported that there were some players, we don't know exactly who outside of it being very heavily linked to Paul Ariola's departure. Ariola has never said that directly, but we've heard it enough times where he kind of feels safe on saying this probably part of, part of, or maybe why exactly why he left. Um, other players apparently have chafed. Julian Gressel on Z Soccer Pod said that there are some other guys who are not bought in in the way that he was bought in. And it wasn't a, like, I'm criticizing my teammates thing. It was just, I feel one way. These other guys feel a different way. Um, so there's a personality clash with some, at least some players. There's probably a personality clash with um, Dave Casper and or Lucy Russian and or Jason Levian, possibly, probably all three. Um, cause Lozano was not afraid to say critical things about them, um, or their actions. I should say he didn't call them out by name, but he would say that the team needs better players. The team needs to spend more to compete. Um, I think that specific framing, even, even if the attitude behind it was just like, I honestly, I feel like he's not wrong. Um, yeah. When you play the Red, like DC's playing the Revs this weekend, and the last time DC played there, actually every time the DC played the Revs last year, the, one of the things that, because all those games ended in defeats, all of those games were close and ended in a defeat. Um, and every time Losada brought up that a big difference between these teams is that the Revs have Carlos Hill, Gustavo Bo, and Adam Buxa. DC has just one, at the time, just one designated player and usually not available or they had two, but you know, one usually was available. One usually was not. Um, right. Uh, they played so, like 18 minutes together. Yeah. So he would bring that up every time and that's not wrong. Uh, but I feel like I, I don't think anyone with DC United having experienced the Ben Olsen era, Ben Olsen, he might've said that all day long in private, but he was not going to say it in a press conference. Um, he would not air that dirty laundry. And I think that has to be some, something about that is involved here, that um, the willingness to say plainly one of the problems with the team is probably a thing where people were like irritated by it. And it's one thing to be that guy, but still getting the results and playing well. 
then you then it's like, well, we'll put up with it. You know, I, I'm not happy that that he said that, but I can deal with it because look at look at our record, look at our results. But DC ended 2021 poorly. Dave Casper in his um he had some brief remarks uh in Steve Goff's piece that were updated uh sometime later in the day. I was in the traffic nightmare. Um but he mentioned that it's not just this season, it's the last 15 to 20 games. And DC's record in those 15 to 20 games does feature a lot of losses. Um, they they were well-placed. I think I actually said at some point during last season that there's no way they're going to miss the playoffs, and they did miss the playoffs. Um, and they're two and I mean, four I this year. About hosting a playoff game last year. Yeah, yeah, uh, because that's where it looked like it was headed. And then it, in fact, went in the exact opposite direction. Um, this year, their only two wins in MLS play were not impressive wins. Um, the Charlotte game, you can say it's did expansion probably, team. they probably did deserve to win, but not three, nothing. Um, there was a real element of fortune uh, on all three goals. Um, and then the Cincinnati, go ahead, Adam. I was going to say, there's been one really good half in the entire yes. year. Um, uh, and it, it wasn't even the three goal half against flower right. union, flower city union. It was the first half against Austin. That was the one half, half of one game that you can right. kind of hang your head on this year. Um, and that's that's a hard sell. If 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 you've already uh, – the way – somebody asked me this, somebody who doesn't spend their time on the internet very much, uh, a friend of mine was like, what do you think happened here? Um, after I explained to him that I didn't have inside knowledge because I woke up, did some, did some non-soccer work, was like, I have a small window to look on the internet. I'm sure something fun will have happened. And then this is what had happened. Um, but uh, you're what Troy, I told you're Troy Barnes walking in with pizza. Yeah. Yeah. Well, which is a, you know, a kind of a black and red United tradition at this point, I feel like it's not the, exactly. like, it's like the fourth or fifth one of these that has happened. Um, but uh, I, I told him, I was like, I feel like Losada is very exacting and very uncompromising and people can take, a lot from that specific kind of that genre of boss or that genre of key employee when the results are there. People will put up with a lot of that if the success is coming anyway. But when you take the success away, all of a sudden the leash gets really, really short. And this is maybe the the big difference between Losada and Olsen is that he was not uncompromising. I think for most of the time he was coach, if not all of it, he was having to compromise constantly, um, which is probably part of the reason why he, he hung on, which, you know, I know some fans are right. very mad that right. he got such a long well, leash and Losada did not. I want to, I want to kind of talk about that a little bit because mm-hmm. I think that there are some pretty substantial circumstantial differences between Olsen's tenure and Losada's tenure. Uh, ben Olsen in 2010, uh, or I guess going into 2011, Kevin Payne interviewed half the planet to try to find a coach to take over the team. And as near as I can tell, nobody wanted the job. They couldn't hire someone to come into RFK to coach the team with no money, no resources. Um, it just, it was, it was a job, literally no one qualified for it, wanted it. And that's why he hired Ben Olsen, because he this, was the most qualified person who actually was going to take the job. And this was ben famously, Olsen will be the first. Famously, Caleb Porter uh, took a tour of the stadium, got that far along, and was like, no thanks, guys. 
Yeah. Right. So I, I have to assume that that was true for basically the first eight years of Olson's time at, in charge, the entirety of his tenure at RFK. When you get to Audi Field, he had the the 2018 season where the first half was all on the road and was, you know, no one expected anything. And then he, lightning in a bottle with Rooney. 2019, they finished fifth in the East, almost host a playoff game. Uh, and then 2020, he lost four games in a row and was shown the door. So <clears throat> I feel like the leash for Olsen, once the circumstances are similar with Losada, the leash was just as short. Um, but you, I, I think saying Olsen got 10 years, blah, is is criminally oversimplifying. Well, sure, but let's, let's... The organization was in a very different place. That said, this was a, a hair trigger move. Yeah. Uh, it seems like, I mean, losing four games in a row, um, I think losing twice as many games as they've won going back to last October, um, th- those are important data points, but I think one of the things Jason talked about is important too. Uh, you have to be able to manage up and manage down as both an employee anywhere and also especially as a coach in a professional sporting league. And Losada did not seem to care to manage up at any point. He, he was never shy about essentially throwing his bosses under the bus. But once his players stopped backing him, basically, which it sounds like that started to happen last fall as injuries mounted and Paul Ariola asked out over the winter. And uh, I am really starting to wonder if some of the uh, speculation we heard coming into this season about players not having the same commitment in year two, uh, what wasn't just speculation, it was, right. it was reported out. Right. People couldn't, it was one of those things where people couldn't say a source is telling me, but it, it, right. you know, to pull the, the the lid off of how some reporting works in sports is that sometimes there's stuff people want to tell you to just sort of guide what you're saying, um, where they're like, you can't put anyone's name on this, but it can allow you to start framing things in a different way. Yeah. Um, sometimes you'll be fed a line that you know is pure nonsense because people are trying to make a bad situation not look so bad. Um, and sometimes people will tell you that like, yes, there are like seven dudes that are real mad about this training regimen and they hate eating uh boiled chicken breasts every day and and uh it's a problem yeah i mean i food those that speculation in the preseason and now i'm looking back at i'm like i think someone knew something yeah well and it came out in one of golf's tweets that it, it, it seems like one of the uh, uh catalyst issues was that losada wanted to take stephen birnbaum to uh rochester and the front office nixed it and mm. kept birnbaum at home and that Seems to be at least a little bit of a data point that uh, probably Burnbaum was not happy with uh, how things were going uh, training-wise. Well, it's also, it indicates a power struggle. Um, Yes. Because we tend to think of things like the lineup and the bench and that kind of thing. We tend to think of that as something the coach alone decides. Um, The coach maybe talks to the coaching staff about their opinions talks to the players about how they're doing, and then makes a decision on their own. That's not really how things work. Um, There are some organizations where I'm sure Bruce Arena does not get input from folks uh, at the Revolution front office. I'm sure they do not 
have any say in, nor, nor would they, even if they duck their head in to make a suggestion, he would probably swear at them and, and like throw a, a, a book at them or something um, and shoo them out of his office and they would never be seen again. Um, most clubs don't work like that. And DC's structure is designed to not work like that. They are definitely set up to be a club where there's input from the GM. There's input from Dave Casper's president of soccer. Now um, they're, it's not just a one person makes the call. And something that Julian Gressel alluded to was that Losada is kind of a top down sort of manager. He wanted to, you know, I mentioned the diet. I alluded to the diet stuff and that's a level of micromanaging that you don't see a lot in MLS, but you do see in world soccer. Um, there are places where that's just how it is. Um, that is a very normal thing to do. Not really that, that normal in MLS. Even your most um, cutting edge fitness and diet teams in the league don't necessarily take it to that degree where the coach is dictating food. You're, you're like, they'll tell you like, look, I feel like your performance data and some of these other um, fitness data points are telling me that you're not eating well. Um, so you need to improve that or like, or like literally I saw you eating McDonald's. I think um, speaking of Z soccer pod, there was a thing earlier this season where um, Fabian Herbers uh, ended up drawing the short stick and had to go pick up their DoorDash delivery from somewhere. And he happened to be in the hotel lobby when the entire coaching staff was like, so what you doing down here? Um, and he's like picking up DoorDash for the guys. <laughs> and it was clearly like not healthy food. And they were like, it was literally McDonald's. This? I remember yeah, that yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but, but the, the thing here is that I feel like at DC, Los Auto would have been like, pay that man and don't take the food or like give it to the hotel staff. You can't eat this. I won't allow it. Right. Um, whereas at Chicago, they were like, we're gonna have to have talk about this, you know, go have your fun. <laughs> And then we have to talk about how you guys can't eat McDonald's that much. Right. There's, I, I know Gressel said that there's a system in place where you weigh in twice a week. And if you are above your target, you pay a fine. Right. I have no Which idea is how tough. steep that fine is, but that's, even, that's a lot. even if it's $5, it's probably not, but whatever. Let's say it's just yeah. five bucks. That's still a tough thing to deal with. Um, and there is, you know, coming, coming from covering NWSL, there are coaches who have been in trouble for body shaming. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. And it's not like men are immune to that. It's the same thing happening. Um, so that's tough. Maybe there are some people on the team, Julian Gressel said that he responded to the whole thing really well. Um, maybe there are some people on the team that really didn't respond to it very well. Um, because that's a, especially it's twice a week. Like it's not a once in a while thing that you didn't enjoy. It's like, you know, Tuesday and Thursday, All the time. this thing yeah. that sucks that you hate is happening um, at work uh, where you can't do a, like some of us, you can kind of hate your job and still do fine. Um, maybe you're not doing your best, but you can do fine. Soccer, you can't really hate coming to your team every day and still play well. Um, I don't think anyone was like to that extent, um, right. but then, you know, Paul Ariola engineers a MLS record trade to get out of here. So maybe, maybe at least one person did actually was like, I got to get out of there. Um, who knows? Um, I mean, that, it, it might be part of why Moreno or Felipe didn't come back too. I mean, that, they, they were, they were we, offered contracts and right. I, and it could also be, you know, 
that they were like, we don't want to give you a raise. And they were like, well, right. I want a raise. Yeah. Um, we don't, that yeah, one, we, we don't know, know the reason. So Ariel is the one player we know yeah. pretty with some degree of evidence that there, there was a dispute to some degree with the coaching staff or at least with the coach. I, I don't know if it was the entire coaching staff, which by the way, uh, one thing that came up in my mind with all this is Lozada has gone. Is Nico Fruto sticking around or is he leaving? And if right. so, and then, what does that do yeah, for Nahar? Right. And also, like, oh, yeah, all you've got left is Chad Ashton and the goalkeeper coach. And that's that's your entire... Yeah, uh, yeah. there's staff. definitely, you know, if, if Frutos also leaves, which at this point, we're, I'm not even speculating that. I'm just saying it could happen. Oftentimes right. when a coach comes in and brings an assistant along, even though they weren't at the same club, he didn't... They, they just knew each other from being the Argentine dudes in coaching in Belgium. Um, maybe Frutos is happy here uh, and wants to stick around. I don't think Losada wanted to leave. Um, doesn't seem like he, I can say from the press conference after the open cup game hours before he was let go, that he did not strike me as someone who knew that his time was about to be up. He struck me as someone who had planned out tr- Thursday's training and was like, okay, I got like, we're going to fly back. I got sleep. And then I got to be at the field to get, training set up for the guys that didn't play and um i gotta you know do this video session about the revs and blah 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 i don't think he was thinking at as a single tiny bit about going like with olsen you could kind of tell that the pressure was rising and that he knew that there was something could be happening soon i don't think lozada woke up this morning thinking that the media i mean maybe when he gets a message and is like we need to have a meeting before training that's not great uh that's a little ominous um but before that, he was probably like, yeah, I got X, Y, and Z to do today. Um, I have this to do. I have that to do. Um, yeah, uh, I, I think he was very surprised by it, to say the least. And now it's like, you know, does Frutos want to stay? We have no idea. Um, the team hasn't said anything about it, which is a good sign. Because if they don't say anything, then you have to assume he's going to still be there. Um, but it is definitely a situation that like comes to mind, because especially because you know, no matter where you place or no matter where any fan places Nahar in sort of the hierarchy of the team, I feel like just about everyone is going to place him as like a top three or four most important player on the team. Not from a emotional standpoint, but like literally does the team win or lose soccer games? Um, And I mean, one, he's injured, which bodes poorly for the next like two months. months. Um, But the other thing here is like, Literally, his nickname at the team is Frutitos because, like, his return to health and good form is so heavily linked to Frutos. So I I hope DC was like, listen, we got to talk to Nico about how important we think he is because that isn't just a man. It, it is a manpower issue, but it also is literally, you know, this is the coach that has maybe unlocked Andy Nahar to a degree that other coaches have been unable to for a long time. It's a big deal to keep him around, yeah. even if even if it's just for that. And it's not just for that. He's obviously done some other really important stuff too. Well, and speaking of Andy Nahar getting injured, uh, he's out for uh, a number of weeks. I know Bill Hamid is now out uh, for a while. I wonder yep. if the front office looking at people not buying into the system and potentially uh getting injured uh preparing in said system i wonder if that was just another uh uh, tally in their mind that they wanted to make a change 
Yeah, it sounds like from, again, there's a ton of information that Julian Gressel shared on Z Soccer Pod, and I'm going to rehash some of it. Uh, It sounds like the trainings were especially intense. I think almost under the idea that the game should be the easiest part of your week kind of thing, Mm -hmm. Uh, where, where players were basically told, find your limit and then just stay there. Um, and if you go past your limit, that's how you get an overwork injury, an overuse injury. And it's hard to know where that limit is if you, for, for anyone. Um, you have to look at the data and background to really understand the how much exertion you should be doing. It's hard to know instinctively, uh, especially when you're competing in practice and you're trying to earn a spot on the field and you're trying to show that you you deserve a new contract and all that other stuff. You're going to keep pushing and you're going to go past that red line over and over again. And that's how injuries happen. And mm-hmm. uh, as much as I wanted to defend Losada last year after listening to Gressel and seeing more injuries this year um, to, to Moses Nyman uh, as well, it kind of looks like that was not the right strategy by Losada. And, and what's interesting to talk about the injury pattern, which I mean, literally right before we got started, I was filling in my spreadsheet where I try and keep track of the injury stuff. It is shorter this year, but it also is picking up steam. Like it was shorter for a little while. There's actually a game. Um, I don't remember which game it was. I want to say maybe the Atlanta game um, where DC had no one, not the Atlanta game. Um, TFC, the TFC game, DC had, no players on a reported or even not reported but known injury. They had no one out whatsoever for injury reasons. The only players that were unavailable were uh, Taxi getting his visa and the guys that were on loan. And I think Michael Estrada was um, also in Ecuador for visa or not visa, family, family reasons. reasons. Um, yeah. But no injuries. Um, but since then, you know, the rate is picking up. Adrian... Adrian Perez is, is a foot injury. That's not a training problem. That's a, if you break your foot, unfortunately your foot is brittle pretty much forever. Um, but like you, Adam, you mentioned Moses Nyman. Um, Chris Adoya Chem had some sort of thigh problem followed by what appears to be an ankle. Nahar pulls a muscle. Hamid pulls a muscle. It turns out this Brad Smith precautionary thing, according to Steve Goff, is also muscle related. Um, that's a lot of things piling up in a couple of weeks all of a sudden. And it's like, this kind of alludes to that idea of running just, just short of the line and kind of dancing on the edge a little bit. Um, if you do that for a month at some point, you know, dancing on the edge, someone's going to fall off and out of 20, almost 30 guys, four players, all of a sudden having a a muscle pull of some kind or a, a strain. Yeah. Uh, it starts to look not very good and it starts to point to you're at the tip of the iceberg uh, on that kind of thing. And it's about to get worse. Um, That's not, that's a mixed metaphor. I'm sorry. It's been, it's been a long day, but um, yeah, it it definitely not that we know, you know, we have no idea what um, Victor Lonchuk, the new um, high performance coach, um, his methods look a little different just from watching the guys warm up on game day, by the way, uh, the Hamid thing, I think, happened very early against Austin because John Kempen was out almost within the first, like, two minutes of the game to start warming up. And I think Hamid played through it. Um, but 
it was a like I can play through it this time, but it's not going to get better unless I stop playing. Um, so they didn't burn the sub. It was one of those situations. Um, but yeah, uh, that's one more aspect here. That's a, a pretty serious thing because like when you think about Ariola leaving, for example, and the number of injuries he's had in his career, even before Osada got here, um, this could be, you know, putting, putting two and two together, not actually knowing this from any reporting. I'm not even getting, no one gave me some sort of a nudge in this one. This is just me thinking out loud, but if you're Ariola with his injury history in a year where if you get a hamstring strain uh, in October, maybe you don't go to the World Cup. And maybe this is your one and only chance to go to the World Cup. Um, is DC United the place you want to play the, in 2022? Uh, and the answer might be no. Um, if you're if you're Ariola with his injury history, you might say this is a place where I'm running a risk of missing this thing that I get one realistically get one chance at. Um, yeah. So I could see that being maybe the dominant thing. It might be really down to the training methodology, um, it, at least for some players. You know, obviously Julian right. Gressel, he was like, yeah, I, I mean, Gressel also played every single game last year. So Gressel has zero injuries uh, from his time under Lozada and was like, yeah, I, I lost some weight. I feel better. I was playing really well. Uh, I think it was very good. Um, Bill also, Hamid also tweeted – I was just going to say Bill Hamid also tweeted um, – a very like warm, um, you know, you're going to be a top coach in a top league, um, very positive message um, to thank Losada for his time. Um, and apparently even a message literally today. Um, mm-hmm. So some players are very much like, Ernan was great. Uh, I had no problems whatsoever. And they're publicly saying that, but you know, I think it's pretty, the the smoke is there for there to be a fire and that fire would represent some players were like, this is not good. I don't want to do this to myself anymore. Either I'm worried about injury or I just mentally, this is destroying me. Um, I hate living this lifestyle. I know I will say this. I'll throw this in. Adam, I know you're about to say something. I've now gone on for like two minutes. Um, But one thing I will add that I do know is that when the team would travel, um, everyone on the traveling party is eating the, Losada diet. Um, they don't have they they don't put out food for staffers um, that is just for staffers because obviously it's pretty unfair to like tell the players they have to eat the like the the same grilled chicken with uh, not much flavor on it and then like the staffers eating you know pepperoni pizza. Um, that's <laughs> that's a recipe for disaster. Um, that's what, that's that when just, you turn into a uh, a full sized pizza that the players then like run after. And yes, like an old cartoon, um, <laughs> or like a big a big uh, roasted chicken is usually how those things go. But like covered in butter, um, too much yes, butter yes. for to, for for the players to be allowed to eat and mashed um, potatoes. But yeah, but so that like it was a level of full, like all in commitment, which is a very sports team thing to do. But um, you know the you know the team staff if they wanted to have you know a burger while they're out on the road they had to get out of the hotel they had to be like yeah i'm gonna go for a walk um i'm gonna go go see some sites uh to go hustle over and get like uh you know uh some chicken wings um so the all-in commitment that extends that far i mean yes that's also just there's probably a cost-cutting measure to that of just like why are we going to order 
food from two places. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But, but, you know, the, it's, it's the kind of idea that extends to everything in the club and it can become exhausting for some people, some people great, some people not so much. Right. I think for, so I, I want to be clear. We, we're not turning against Lasada here. I'm, I'm not convinced this was the right move. Right. I think we're all trying to rationalize. Yeah. Yes. They really were reasons for it Mm. um, that that I think are legitimate, um, whether I agree with them or not. Um, I do think that this was a lot more than what some fans are saying, which is that Dave Casper doesn't like being criticized, and so he he pulled the plug. Mm. Um, I I really think it's not that because Losada was was demanding new players from his first week basically yes. and and casper didn't pull the plug last year when he missed the playoffs he you know th- there was some time this year and i think it was just the combination of the the direction of uh, of play and and sentiment in the locker room and and all that that probably led to this i don't think it was one simple explanation it's, it's never one simple thing you yeah. have an organization with like 50 people on the sporting side, whether it's players or staff or front office uh, higher ups, like it's never one thing. There's no silver bullet here. Um, if you're looking for the one thing, we're not that podcast. I don't think any of the other ones that cover the team are that podcast either. <laughs> like it's not one thing. It's a lot of things, um, yeah. no matter how you slice it. Yeah. And it's, it's perfectly reasonable and legitimate to, disagree strongly with this decision yeah. um and it, i yeah i don't know where the team goes from here um we don't do know that that chad ashton will will take the reins for the rest of or the, the plan is for the rest of the year he's an interim coach, so it could be for the rest of the year it might not be who knows um let's take a break and we'll we'll talk about that and some other stuff on the other side stick around it's filled up Say you're at work and uh, something unfortunate or untoward happens and you need some legal representation to uh, to assert your rights in that situation, whether a boss mistreated you, you were fired unfairly uh, or, or, or something worse happens. Ben, in the District of Columbia and Northern Virginia, you know who to call, right? Yeah, you call the Ehrlich Law Office because you have rights. That's right. And your rights matter. And you deserve to be free from harassment. And you deserve to work. The Ehrlich Law Office handles workplace discrimination. They do civil rights. Uh, If you have a wage theft issue, they are there for you. If you have uh, a separation from your employer that you want to to get down on paper, and you're dealing with a a non-compete clause or or something to to that effect if you uh if you feel like your civil rights have been violated by a local government call the ehrlich law office uh if you want a free consultation tell them we sent you go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster welcome back to filibuster the very sad black and red united podcast uh Hernan losada is out after Six games, seven if you count the Open Cup. Um, three wins in that time, four losses. Um, a lot of new players who have come in 
Jason. And I, I think that's part of what surprised me was there was a lot of turnover this year and the, the team played its best half of the season before Ola Kamara lost his mind and got a second yellow card at the end of the first half. Um, the team didn't handle the last 10 minutes as well as they should have, but that was probably their, that, that game other than those last 10 minutes was probably their best performance of the season, which makes this even more shocking. Yeah. Um, it, it's funny because the, the roster turnover is actually, I think a big part of this in terms of if you're going to make an argument that this was a bad move, I feel like this is where you should land. Number one, um, late in the preseason, DC trades Ariola and sells Kevin Paredes, uh, or his contract, I should say, to uh, Wolfsburg. Um, we should stop speaking in language that makes it sound like cl- soccer clubs are selling human beings, because th- thankfully they don't, um, right. to the best of my Most knowledge. Of them. Yes, there's probably some that are, are true villains and should be stomped, but that's not our purview. Um, but those are both deals that had to be made on a business side. You know, for Paredes, that's a, a deal you say yes to. Um, we talked about it extensively. Uh, if Ariola wanted to leave and you get that kind of offer from a uh, flush with cash FC Dallas, again, that's a deal you have to say yes to. Um, from a business perspective, certainly. But at the same time, when you're saying yes to those deals, you kind of, in my opinion, you have to build in a certain amount of like, okay, late in the preseason, we're taking two, like I mentioned before that Nahar is one of the top four or five most important players of the team, Ariola and Paredes were, were also on that list uh, coming into the season. Like it was Nahar, Paredes, Ariola, uh, Kanaus, um, and Gressel. Gre- yeah, Gressel or Hamid. Um, but, you know, these are guys yeah. that are all pretty indispensable, and you just got rid of two of them. And there weren't – I mean, Brad Smith replaces Paredes as a left wing back, but we've spent – plenty of time on like six or seven episodes talking about what wasn't what what in Paredes's skill set has not been replaced and to this day still has not been replaced um so when you make those moves you kind of I feel like it's necessary to then give the coaching staff a little more leeway and a little less of a demand to succeed immediately when in like February like early February you've taken these two players that appeared to be on course to be on the roster all year. Suddenly they're not on the roster anymore and you have a bunch of money, which is cool, but money can't play soccer games, which is bad. Um, And DC does not appear to have been willing to do that, Um, which I think to me speaks to maybe placing the personal conflict at a, to, to a higher degree of importance than was merited. Um, because if you do that to a roster, if you do that to starting players that are not just starters, but are like vitally important starters, um, you need to give the team time to figure it out. They, they, the, the, the coaching staff has to be given a way to adapt to the new reality, which is two big difference makers in how, in how they go about everything that they do are suddenly not there, um, and have not been replaced by similar play. they positionally similar yes but not profile of skills similar um i I think i've said on this that i i view uh taxi as kind of uh more or less similar to areola um that probably a better output uh in terms of goals and assists probably 
uh, slightly less good as a pressing player, but close enough um, for, for our purposes. But he just got here, um, which is another thing about this. Like, you you did add another designated player, which is very good, but he just got here. Um, and Losada mm-hmm. got to use him in one game while down a man, um, which is not – if you're a five foot six forward, that's not – really an, an ideal circumstance to, to come into a game and show your best stuff. It means you're going to be running around chasing. I, I wrote about this. Like he spent a lot of time chasing the game and trying to hold play up and, and bring guys in, but that's not why he's here. He's here to be a goal scorer. He just didn't get the opportunity to be a goal scorer. Um, and that was in the one and only appearance that he got to make for Lozada. Um, so from a, if, if your argument is, DC was rash in making this move and it's unfair that they opted to fire Losada at this point in time. But for me, argue, the, like evidence number one is the roster had major, major, major top of the roster changes made to it that he wasn't given enough time in both directions to adapt and to be like, where are the results when it's like, well, you know, Give, give me a second. Like you just took two of my most important players. Like I need a minute to figure that out. That's not an easy thing to figure out. We don't, we didn't have Kevin Paredes too, just sitting around. Um, and in fact, we still do not have that player right. sitting around. Um, yeah, that, that takes time. Uh, it takes time to figure that out. And we just talked about how that first half against Austin was the first time that they looked like they were figuring it out um, to then be like, yeah, it didn't happen fast enough. Uh, I feel like, yeah, I feel like this was early. Um, if if we got into like the end of May and it's roughly the same level of like, you know, you stumble into a couple wins, but also you lose a few and a couple of them are losses like the Austin loss where it's a real gut punch. Then you think, okay, this has maybe been enough time to start showing signs of a real plan to adapt to the new reality. But I don't think six games was enough. It, if Preyas and Ariel had left in like December, that's one thing, but he, they left late in preseason. That's just to me, not enough route not enough runway to then figure out a new way to do things. Yeah. And uh, uh, transitioning into the coach who's going to replace uh, Losada at least temporarily. Like I was hoping that they were getting rid of Losada this early because they had like targets in leagues that run on the traditional FIFA calendar and they were going to make a uh, replacement signing this summer and which I mean they still might do but they haven't but they have said that Chad Ashton is interim coach until the end of the season Um, I mean you're an interim coach until you aren't anymore and so they probably had to say that because they can't definitely hire someone over the summer but it's I'm hoping that it's not Chad Ashton the whole year I'm hoping they hire someone over the summer and give them basically like an extended runway for this year, uh, almost like a, a pre-appointment or something, and then basically give them an extended preseason to figure stuff out. But it doesn't look like they're going that way. Kind of like Tim Pelicaneta last year in Atlanta. He came in partway through the year to figure out the team and then start implementing his changes for, for this season. Uh, but Chad Ashton will be taking the reins. Um, it's a move that former DC United backup goalkeeper Chris Seitz celebrated on Twitter, said that 
Ashton is a fantastic coach. He has the backing of the players. He understands uh, how to get the most out of players. It almost like a lot of the praise sounded a lot like um, it's similar to the praise you hear for Bruce Arena. Mm-hmm. Um, not not saying that Chad Ashton is on Bruce Arena's level by any means, but their approach seems to be similar in that you simplify things, you give players clear assignments, and you try to get the most out of especially your best players. Um, and I, I think Ashton and, and is, you create and you create a vibe in which they're a little more comfortable. Um, and you know, I think one of the things he said when he came in with uh, when Olsen was let go was like. I need to get the guys to enjoy being soccer players again. Um, I need them to play with some joy because it's been pretty rough. It, 2020 was bad for literally everyone, but um, for DC United players, it was especially rough. Um, it was not a fun time to do anything. And this was one of um, Ashton's successes when he came in was getting, getting the group to play with more looseness, um, getting to be, getting them to be a little more resilient, getting them back on their feet, so to speak. Um, they weren't always good. I mean, they had that three, that stretch of three wins, and then they lost the final two games and both were games that were there to be won that they were unable to get a hold of because they were a limited group. Um, but at least they were, they were playing in a way where it didn't look like they were weighed down by the misery of the season. Um, which is a a plus because a stunning move like this, I think is the kind of thing that can weigh players down, especially the players that were bought in for Lozada. Um, so it seems like Ashton has a good touch on that front. Um, I know the fan base literally since the day Chad Ashton was hired as an assistant, like 15 years ago, uh, for reasons that I've never, ever comprehended the entire fan base at that time was like, no thanks um, on this guy that they knew nothing about. And for some people that has never changed, um, which is a curious thing that I've never, I, I don't think I'm ever going to solve. Um, but I feel like it's telling how often the players are like, yeah, we like Chad and how kind of, I mean, kind of universal. Like I haven't heard anyone at the organization be like, you know, even say like, well, he's a good dude who's limited. Um, I haven't even heard that. Um, so the people that know him on a regular basis, because this is another thing, like there aren't a lot of Chad Ashton interviews or um, media coverage uh, over over his time with the team. The people who experience working with him on a regular basis all have good things to say. So if you're, if part of your issue right now as a fan is that part of it, I would say at least like listen to the players on to some extent. Um, you can be, you can still be unhappy that the coaching change happened while being like, I don't know enough about Chad Ashton to say one thing or another. I'm just gonna have to judge based on the play. And you know, the last time we saw him coaching the team, they were better. They weren't good, but they were better. Um, than they were under Olsen. And part of that was just him getting them to, you know, lightening the mood, um, being less controlling, um, which is maybe something that some of the guys that chafed uh, under Lozada probably need. Um, someone who isn't as concerned with uh, their diet or um, whether they weigh exactly a certain number of pounds. I was about to say kilograms uh, based on Adam's earlier battle with the metric system. Um, you know, Lasada's Argentine. He he played a lot in Belgium. It might have been kilograms in that locker room, right? Um, so yeah, maybe this is something that the group needs. A, is a coach who's a little less uh, of a micromanager, 
because Losada does, rightly or wrongly, does seem like he was a micromanager on a lot of these things. Maybe some of the group needs someone who's just going to leave them alone to some extent and not not be all over them. Uh, maybe they'll respond better to that. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, Gressel mentioned that he doesn't expect major changes, that the, one of the things they changed in 2020 was they started pressing teams. Um, so Ashton's not opposed to pressing people. And also, quite frankly, in the next couple of games, he doesn't really have time to stop pressing teams because there's not time to install any new system. Um, I do not expect major changes tactically. Um, maybe there will be some personnel changes, but then again, you know, I think, I think Ashton came in and like changed to like a real basic four, four, two pretty quickly after Olsen left. Um, so there might be some changes that seem big, but they might mean more to us than they do to the players. Cause it's like, you know, a lot of soccer people get real, real agnostic about formations as much as, um, whether it's the principles are being adhered to. Um, and maybe that's more the principle of high pressing, I think is here to stay. Um, I, when I spoke to Lucy Rushton, she talked about how the signings they're making and the, even at the Loudon level, um, the idea of pressing is built into what they evaluate in players. So if you sign a bunch of players to play pressing soccer, you know, you're probably going to continue playing pressing soccer, even when the one guy that is the most high pressing advocate within the group, uh, if he's gone, you're still gonna be like, well, how do I win games with a bunch of guys that are pressing players? I better start pressing. Um, I better continue pressing. So I don't, I don't anticipate major changes. It might just be some guys might just need a little burden taken off of them mentally. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I know they're they're definitely athletes who need to be reminded to treat themselves as professionals. And there there are some who you need to treat as professional means not uh weighing them every twice a week and mm. and all that, trusting them to an extent to follow the rules. Uh and giving them leeway a little bit when when it it's necessary because it's a long season, it's a grind and levity is important. Mm -hmm. uh, if you've ever watched a sports movie, you understand <laughs> that yeah, that yeah, almost in yeah, somewhere late in act two, uh, maybe, maybe the uh, yep. affable assistant coach uh, starts singing a song or, or does something goofy just to get a, a, a laugh out of the group. And then they go in and beat up on a uh, Middleburg or whatever. Um, and that, that gets them, that gets them rolling. It, it's like, Oh good. Now we can play again. Um, Sports should be fun. Uh, but it, at the same time, you know, there, there's a reason most did those things. They, that those contribute to physical performance, um, which is important in a high pressing system like this. It's just, there's, there's a balance you have to be able to draw. And one of the things I know Gressel talked about was the, uh, his unwillingness to compromise and meet players halfway on even little things. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that could be a spot where maybe you hear in a few months that Ashton met players halfway on some things. And even just a little bit of movement there could, could really change the vibe in the locker room. And coming from like, literally the reason I was at the performance center today when we're recording this, the day that Lozada was like, Oh, I was up there for a spirit thing. And if there's one thing that you've picked up on, if you aren't following the spirit super closely is that part of the thing that has worked in the coaching change 
has been Chris Ward and the rest of his coaching staff um, allowing the players to come up with their own ways of dealing with things when they need that space. Um, some of that is allowing that, you know, giving them that trust of saying like, you're a part of this process too. And I'm going to give you a voice in the decision-making. Um, they recently had a game that in the first half they played quite poorly and they were down to nothing. And Chris Ward said that before he even got to the locker room, most of the players had, you know, a couple of the leaders had had their say about what needed to change. And so he didn't really have much to do. And instead of being like, it's great that you guys said that here's what we're going to do now. He said, okay, you got, you guys figured it out. Let's get back out there and, and do that. And, you know, added some tweaks, but it's like, I'm not going to stomp all over what you're doing, what you think is the right thing to do. Um, It's very collaborative and the spirit are pretty famously doing quite well. They have not lost a game that Chris Ward has been on the sideline for. Um, so some groups of players respond extremely well to this way of doing things. Um, some groups of players do need micromanaging. Um, there's a, yeah. all different personality types. Um, and maybe DC's just got a ba- I mean, there are some guys on the team that we don't really know a ton about. Um, I don't think anyone has a super good read on Gausu Samake's personality type. Um, we just haven't heard from him very much. Um, there are a few guys on the team like that. So how many of the, you know, there's a decent chance that there's a big group of personalities. There are people that just need to feel like they're being trusted and not just cogs in a machine where they just show up and are told you have to do X, Y, and Z. And they just sort of do X, Y, and Z. And they're like, this kind of sucks. I feel like, you know, X is not great for me and I should be doing something else. Um, So yeah, it could be a situation where it's as simple as that it probably isn't completely that simple. It's probably just one of many factors, which we keep coming back to, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to contrast the the two ways of doing things that were up until literally this morning, kind of the polar opposite um, in a lot of ways, not thinking about tactics, but in terms of how you deal with people on a regular basis. And that is coaching. Like we, we spend a lot of time talking about tactics and stuff like that a lot of coaching is not that at all. It's dealing with a human being um, and dealing yeah. with a group of human beings. Um, and maybe that's where all of it, it's not a tactical problem at all. Maybe it is really down to um, just finding someone who can speak to this group in a way that they respond to better. Um, hopefully that's it. Hopefully it's that easy uh, because otherwise if this is if it's not that easy and we're in for a rocky road uh if without tactical changes then we're game 6 out of 34 um which means we are in for a real long ro- road ahead um i guess it's good that DC, you know i think the quote in Goff's article one of the quotes was that we didn't want to let this season get away from us um which means they are acting with urgency which is a thing dc united has been accused of not doing uh many many times uh over the run of this podcast um but urgency can sometimes be misplaced sometimes you are too urgent and you are freaking out instead um and we're we're gonna find out pretty quickly i think um if if we see the group still having familiar problems then i feel like we're gonna at that point it's like well this season's probably going to be bad for a while um this one's going to be a long year and there's no working around that if we see a bounce back real quick if if these I mean, the revs have not been very good either um they are also not in a great place and they are not about to fire bruce arena um 
So if DC can catch the revs feeling, you know, we can't figure out why it's not working anymore. We're kind of down on ourselves. Maybe they get the bounce back going really quickly. And then all of a sudden Chad Ashton looks like a genius uh, because when people look back, they're not going to look at the deep, you know, the deep circumstances of exactly why all this happened. It's going to be like that team lost four in a row and then they changed coaches and then they took off. And that means that guy's good. Um, And maybe it is, maybe it could be that simple. It also could not be that simple, but I think we're going to find out pretty quickly either way, whether this is going to be the move that was needed or a thing that happened during a bad year. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to me to see as well, depending on uh, how Ashton performs, are we going to get any indication throughout the year that he has a shot at the job? Is that going to be shut down uh, uh, by the ownership of the front office of the team early in, in, in background and, and leaks to the media, or are they going to let that play out for a while and perhaps let uh, Ashton see what he can do and see if they see him as actually a potential permanent head coach yeah. for this team? Because they 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 always indicated that they did uh, in twenty twenty. Um, they indicated endlessly that they didn't just um, consider him because he happened to be here, but that he was a a finalist, I believe is the way that they like to term it. Um, And, you know, that hiring process was also a little interesting because we had the standard, like this is the pile of guys that are around MLS that are available. Um, And that, that portion of the search sort of honed in on Chris Armis and everyone got very upset um, because they had seen Chris Armis teams before. And we're like, I remember what they seemed like. He's going to be available this year, and now he has European experience. I mean, why not hire Chris Armas? The price is only going up uh, for Chris Armas. <laughs> if you're hiring, you better add a zero to that uh, that wage packet. Um, but yeah, that they is came, Chris Armas an NFT? Is that is that where we're coming down on this? Basically, uh, I don't think you can pay an NFT, but I also have purposely avoided learning how NFTs work. And if you're <laughs> if you're thinking about explaining them to me, do not. Uh, I will block you, and I might have you arrested by the authorities. I don't want to hear about it. There's this thing called the blockchain. Ben, I will have you arrested by the authorities that will cooperate with me on this specific point. I don't know where they are. I've got to work on that. Um, You'll go. You'll go to Jason Jail, which I have to build. Um, (laughs) I don't want to hear about it. But yeah, it. They honed in on Armis, and people got very mad, and they said, "Well, maybe not. Maybe maybe we'll get away from that." They honed in on Gonzalo Pineda, which people were more open to, even though Pineda's, like, Armas comes from a pressing background. Pineda's Atlanta is pretty pragmatic. Um, They are not a ton of fun, quite frankly, to watch. They're very much the Seattle Sounders, but with a little less uh, attacking flair, um, which the Sounders are not often, sometimes they're very good, but they are not necessarily a top three thrilling team. They're not an entertaining team, necessarily. Um, they're there to win. uh, Right. Yeah. The the Sounders are there to win. And I think Gonzalo Pineda's Atlanta is there to win more than they are to entertain, um, which is Atlanta's problem. Um, And I feel like they're going through it a little bit. Um, But people are a little more open to that one. But then that deal didn't work out. What I heard was that it wasn't financial. It was other was that was the issue that there was a disagreement that couldn't be worked out. Um, but Ashton kind of bubbled up as a finalist in that 
portion of the 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 search as if as if I'm if my timeline memory is correct um before they were like well this covid delay is kind of allowing us to open up a bigger net here um so let's consider some other alternatives which is how Losada got the job eventually um I can't imagine though that that wider net didn't get them maybe a few other candidates from Europe who they were like this is someone that no one in MLS is talking about, but that this is someone we should seriously try and talk to. Um, maybe someone that wasn't available at that time that is available now. Uh, Europe is notoriously full of countries with soccer leagues, and many of them have coaches. Some of them are probably quite good. Um, and maybe there are some coaches out there that are that were not available in, uh, in what was that, January 2021, um, that are available now in April, 2022. Um, so we might, we shouldn't assume that it'll be Ashton and like whatever MLS dudes are happen to be around. Um, I'm sure some of those names will come up and I'm sure people will get very mad when they see some of the MLS dude names when it's like Dom Kinnear. Um, people will probably get upset. See Ben's already upset. Um, and, and for good reason. Um, but I feel like once DC kind of, I mean, Hiring Lozada was like the only thing that the team has done in years that was universally like, this is pretty cool that you did this. Um, Even Wayne Rooney, like there are a lot of people who are like, I don't like this at all. Um, So that might inform DC United like, hey, this is like a thing we did that everyone liked. No one really yelled at us for this one. Um, Now they're just going to hire some young Europe, somebody who's young from Europe who... I, I hope they look deeper than that. <laughs> I mean, who knows? Who knows? Um, we're in kind of, we're again in uncharted territory because we went 11 years with one coach um, and then a real radical change, but also a real radical uh, uh, quick uh, decision to get rid of him. Yeah. Um, so, Which is also a radical change. That's what I mean. It's like, it's like we're, we're now at a point where it's really kind of hard to predict exactly how the front office works, in part because, you know, we don't have too many reasons. Like, when I talked to Lucy Rushton, I didn't have a, a reason to ask her about how much of a hot seat Losada is on. I, I don't think anyone at that point in time was really thinking about that uh, side of things. Um, so we don't really have a good track record on how ownership or uh, Lucy or Dave Casper really think about these things other than we've got a few puzzle pieces, but we don't have enough to actually see the picture. Um, we might know it's about hot air balloons, but we don't know exactly, you know, oh, they're they're in the shape of a duck um, or whatever your, your 500 piece uh, puzzle set is. Um, we have like 25 pieces of that puzzle and we're missing a lot of the like corners and side pieces. We're like, well, I don't know what this one is to go anywhere. Um, well, so yeah, who knows? Uh, I, I do hope that they don't just look at the pile of MLS dudes, though. Um, yeah. If you're going to do that, just give the job to Ashton. Um, but, you know, there's a big world out there full of coaches. Um, if I can pull from my my J-League uh, knowledge, Celtic hired um, Ange Postacoglu from Yokohama F. Marinos, and all these fans in Scotland were like, no one in Japan has ever played soccer in their lives. Um, and, and, you know, the people at Celtic are like, well, uh, Ange is from Australia, actually. And they're like, well, no one from Australia has ever played soccer. They can't possibly be any good. Uh, he probably doesn't even understand the sport. And then he goes there and he's like, actually, I'm like 
way better than all of the coaches in your country. Like you guys, you guys are actually the trash ones. I'm like, I'm coming from the better league than you. Um, also, I'm bringing like four dudes with me and they're all better than your existing players, which is how things have played out. Um, so there's a big world out there and we shouldn't assume that the MLS dudes are definitely better than someone we've never heard of. Uh, we also should assume that someone we never, someone we never heard of might suck. Um, but I would rather DC take the chance, uh, on casting a wider net again, than looking at, you know, Pat Noonan got hired. He's doing pretty well, given that it's Cincinnati. Um, so that kind of takes that like really lowers the depth of the here are some MLS guys that interview for every single job pool. Well, Jason, uh, with some late breaking news, we can add another guy to that uh, pile of MLS guys. Um, since we mentioned it before, uh, Chad Ashton has named someone new to his coaching staff. It's Fred Briant. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Goff. Goff, Goff just tweeted that. This. Yes. Uh, well, okay. So this from Loudon to. So this addresses the manpower uh, issue, um, though, I, I mean, I feel for Ryan Martin because he's had to cycle through so many changes at all times every day um, and yet still keeps keep that thing chugging along. Um, but uh, Fred Briant, I think Loudon actually posted a video um, talking to Briant about getting into coaching. And one of the things he said was that, like, initially the plan was that Losada was going to bring him in as a fifth member of the coaching staff on the DC side. And they're like, well, you know, our budget for coaches, like we can't, there's not really that much there for a DC job because the DC budget is kind of filled, but Loudon has like literally one assistant and one coach. Like we've got money in the budget for a Loudon coach because no one's there. So that is why Briant went that direction initially. Um, but he was, the initial talk was like, we don't think you're going to come back as a player. Your contract is up. We don't, we think we're done on that. But if you want to stay with the organization, we would love to have you on the coaching side. So it does make a lot of sense that they would be like, we, we don't want to be short staffed uh, at, at the MLS level with a coaching staff. Why don't we turn to the guy that we almost added to the coaching staff anyway? Right. Now, and it would, I don't and understand it would seem- why the, the budget thing would be such an issue, but that's, that's a budget yeah. for the team thing for the past. Uh, it's no longer and, a problem now, I guess. And this would definitely seem to be another uh, player-friendly uh, move. I would assume most of the guys on the team really like Fred Briant, and so another outreach to the players move. Yeah, yeah anyone definitely. who was here before this year is going to have a, a relationship and, with him of some kind. And this is not a... Um, a thing where it's like well, a player who doesn't know what he's going to do with his life going into coaching. Cause it's like an option that's available. And it's like, yeah, sure. I'll give this a shot. I don't know. Um, Brown has been working on his badges for years and was very routinely. If you follow him on Instagram while he was playing for DC, very routinely, like the day after a game posting a photo of like a laptop of like the DC under 15s playing somebody he's doing analysis on uh, that team to both, learn the trade of coaching and also further his studies and his badges. So um, this isn't a situation where it's like, let's just give the guy a job because we like him, um, which is something that DC has been accused of uh, a few times over the years. Um, This is someone who is, yes, it is someone they like that they gave a job, but it is someone who seems very serious about pursuing coaching. It's not just um, a guy who like, I think of, 
like the Houston Dynamo, for example, as an organization that um, has over the years, if they have someone who's well-liked, that guy can just sort of hang out in the office and eventually someone will be like, here's a job. You have a job for a year. Here it is. Just because you're here. We like you. We like hanging out. So you get a job. This is like one you, of the Brian Ching. Yeah. Or Eddie Robinson, who is still around that club, despite um, his political beliefs, which seem to be a real problem. But uh, everyone's like, it's fine. Don't don't, don't worry about it. Um, so, yeah, this is not that. Uh, Briant is serious about coaching, has been doing, thankfully, uh, like doing that badges stuff. It's thankless work. It's not tons of fun. If you're not really into it, you're going to be turned off by it immediately. Um, so the fact that he was doing that while being a professional soccer player and a husband with, I believe three kids is a serious indicator that this was like, yeah, I'm going to do this. I, I mean it. I I'm in, I'm in this thing for real. Um, so hopefully we see some evidence of that. Uh, I will say Loudon's defending. I don't know if this is actually his purview with Loudon, but their defending has not, has not just been better because they got better players, but because they have looked more organized. And I have to imagine that those defenders are learning a lot from Fred Briant telling them what they should be doing because the issue with Briant was not uh, uh, upstairs. It was like, you know, he's kind of slowing down. Um, the brain's still good though. Um, and if he can just tell somebody else what to do, then it stands to reason that that helps. So, you know, potentially at the very least, we don't have to worry about DC just going through like a month or so with one coach fewer and just doing less match prep, uh, and less, uh, individual training. Um, which is important. It turns out you need those things. Um, you can't just be like, Oh, well, uh, we don't need, uh, you know, we don't need, 20 minutes of tape specific to a right back. We don't need it. We can just do without um, because it turns out if you don't have enough people working for you, That's you don't have enough time to, to, you don't have enough time to tackle these things. DC spent years like Ben, I don't know how many times on this show you talked about how DC needs to have more coaches um, yep. among, I mean, usually that's a Ben among thing. It's like things. DC needs more X. Um, yeah. And one of those things has been coaches. And so yes covering that keeping the staff at it i mean four is small um and yeah, that's, that's with it's still small so three is like you're it's like you know that's too small almost to a comical degree so it's good that they had something in the works that is not difficult there's not an adjustment period you just say fred when you show up to work tomorrow come over with us uh over here like 10 feet away and work with us on this this group of guys it's a, that group of guys on the other side of the hall. That's that's the adjustment. So that's as as good as it can get, quite frankly, in this, uh, you know, they're kind of, like we said, it's a hair trigger thing. So things happen fast. Yeah. Um, so fast, in fact, we had to drop any plans to discuss the Austin or, or Flower City Union games. Um, it, just know the first half of Austin was good. The last 10 minutes were real bad. Uh, not unlike the very last play against Atlanta. Um, also bad, uh, Bill Hamid and Andy Nahar being out. We mentioned that earlier. They're going to be out for a number of weeks. Uh, we'll see what Chad Ashton does with their absences. Uh, good news, though. DC United is into the round of 32. I believe that's the fourth round of the U.S. Open Cup. Uh, the draw correct. hasn't happened yet because games are still happening as we record this, but the uh, the draw the draw by the way is April twenty first. 
you, you probably saw it reported initially as April 22nd, but U.S. soccer literally today moved it up a day because they didn't have to wait. Um, I think the idea was that they had plans to play games on Thursday, but then there were no games that needed to be played on Thursday. So they were like, well, well then why wait till Friday? Let's just get it done. Yeah, so uh, by the time you hear this podcast, DC United may know their opponent uh, for the fourth round. Um, also good, a couple of young players made their, their DC United debuts uh, in these two games. Jackson Hopkins, uh, spicy. less than a week after signing his, his professional first professional contract, started against Austin FC and looked, I thought, pretty dang good, especially like... Yeah. Just, just period. Not even considering, not even adding for a teenager. He just looked right. good out there. He was active. He created a, a shot. He he was a little unlucky that didn't go in, honestly. Um, but I want to see more and, of him. That was good. And like Ben said, spicy. Like he was mixing yeah. it up. There was it wasn't just no fear on the ball. He was like going after guys. Um, if someone tried to be physical with him, because they're like, well, it's a seventeen year old. He he does have the seventeen year old's face, but like. He apparently, according to Lozada, had some of the best fitness testing on the entire team. Um, and he's, he's also got a grown-up like body. He's not a small yeah, guy. He's, he's like a big, strong child. Um, and so, strapping is the word. Yeah, and so I'm sure some of the defenders were like, oh, they got a homegrown kid. All right, I'm just going to muscle him off the ball. And it's you're not muscling Jackson Hopkins off the ball. Um, so, yeah, uh, bad news for, like, Edison Flores, for example, that Hopkins came in and looked that good, whereas Flores just kind of, certainly did play against flower city um yeah you can't take that away from him he was out there he didn't play badly he just also didn't really do that much didn't play he like a peru international played. yeah uh another good player uh or another good performance on a debut i thought was hayden sargis who started in the back against flower city union uh looked a lot better than tony alfaro out there i'll say that much it's true and kind of, um, you know, him. It, it's him and uh, uh, Jacob Green joining a back three where that is Sargis plays that central position with Loudon all the time. Jacob Green is a wingback. Um, Lozada made a point to be like, yeah, we're, we're really pleased with how Jacob played because he played 90 in Oakland on Saturday. Uh, so there's a, you know, an energy level thing. But there's also like we ask him to play a position he doesn't really play. Um and we're we're pleased with how he did it, and we're pleased with the character he showed in doing it. Um, so you know, those guys had to step into a pretty unfamiliar situation. With Tony Alfaro said after the game, "Yeah, we've never played before as a three. Um, this was our first time in a game doing that, which is true. Um, that's difficult, especially when you're playing in like arguably the worst weather conditions I can imagine to play soccer in, and um, on a not great turf field." <laughs> Right. Like I would rather play in Minnesota on the like four degree night uh, in terms of trying to play soccer correctly than play in like a wind monsoon storm and it's 35 in Rochester on turf. Um, so that's a tough that's a tough one. And those guys really dealt with it pretty well. So we're going to end the show on that happier note than the entire rest of the show. Uh, thank you so much for listening, especially if you got to this point, if you're not listening to this point i guess thank you anyway but you're not hearing it so does it count i don't know find us at blackandredunited.com uh if you want to support us financially you can do that at patreon.com slash filibuster 
Uh, most weeks we will have two episodes, one looking back and one looking forward, and our patrons get early access to the preview episode every time we do that. So please check us out at patreon.com slash filibuster. You can follow us at filibusterdcu for the podcast, at black and red U for the website, at Bromley Soccer, at Jason DC Soccer, at 202 AMT for the three of us individually. Send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, download, subscribe, rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. I'm told that ratings and reviews especially are great ways to help new people find us. Another great way to help new people find us is to tell other people about this podcast. Word of mouth is great. It always has been. It always will be. So please just spread the word and we'll be eternally grateful. For Jason and Ben, I'm Adam. We'll talk to you again real soon. Say goodbye, Jason. In the words of a great sage, you can accept.